welcome to Slash Report. My name is Prue, and this week I am joined by my usual partner in crime, MK. Hello. Yo. <laughs> and as special guests, we have with us here today, Lepagus. Hey there. And first timer, we're popping your podcast cherry, brutally, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's your lit eye. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good times. So... <laughs> The reason I've gathered this um, ragtag assortment—the reason I've gathered this ragtag assortment of folks here—is so we can all talk about our many varied and tearful feelings about Captain America to the Winter Soldier. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Did everyone just like? Is everyone quiet because you're all just like thinking about Bucky and feeling sad? Yeah, we all just died, like, right now. Cool, good. That's a good, that, like, bears well for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> since, but since in the past we've established that MK and I are both awful at summarizing things quickly, and that Gus admitted she's not great either, we're making Screamlet do it. So give us a quick recap of the film. Obviously, this episode is going to be really heavy on spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, or you, for some reason, don't want to listen to a spoilery analysis of it, this would be the point at which you hit the eject button. Um, this is the point of no return. Now you're stuck. So, Screamlet, hit us. What is, um, what the fuck happened in this movie? Here's the thing. Thinking about, um, how to recap this, I just remembered that there was a whole, like, the whole first act was with, like, on a French ship or something, and I thought I had imagined that because, for me, the movie kind of starts when the Winter Soldier pops up so there's like a whole first literally for the first half of the movie yeah (laughs) what with the french-ish pirates well i feel like they were soldiers of fortune or like i mean hired murder people so i don't really know if it was like a french ship they were speaking french here's um it's algerian remember there was that whole plot point that they were algerian no there wasn't was there? Yeah, was. I have no fucking clue. Look, I okay. I have to say this first. My thoughts on this movie and of anything Captain America related are incredibly feeble because <laughs> Chris Evans is triangular as a human. Have you seen him? Like, oh my god, he is, he is like a shape that is so different and so <laughs> so not like others that I really just need to like measure the span of his muscly shoulders <laughs> with tiny, tiny waist with my mouth. And so therefore, I, like, there's nothing I could tell you about the plot of this movie. <laughs> He's just in skin-type fucking, like, provocative man. <laughs> I don't know what happened. He fought some people. It was really good for me. I hated his haircut. When okay, okay, wait. I have a better grasp on this plot, so let's try this again. Yeah, see? <laughs> Okay, so Steve is doing his job as, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Captain America, which is very different from the Smithsonian's Captain America. Anyway, he's doing his job. There are some Algerian pirates. Cool. Uh, He and Fury and Natasha regroup, and shit goes down. Fury's car is blown up, and then, oh my god, Winter Soldier, we're in the movie. 
Natasha and Steve go to New Jersey. There is a Nazi in a computer. Oh my God, how did I make this worse? Guys, can we just skip this part with the summary? There's a feature soldier. This is actually kind of beautiful. There's a Nazi <laughs> in a computer. You find out that over the course of seven decades, he says, yep. Hydra has infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. to the highest levels. Oh, that's the plot. And they're about to deploy <laughs> the triple helicarrier system. Um, with a very NSA-like sort of commentary plot about figuring out who's going to do bad shit through, like, thought crimes garbage. And as soon as this system goes live and the three helicarriers are deployed, they're going to kill 20 million, like, quote-unquote problem people and bring peace to the world, but at what horrifying price. Um, So you find out eventually that Nick Fury faked his death so that he could find out who or who was or wasn't dirty, and so they can, like, stop this helicarrier situation throughout all of this. Winter Soldier keeps showing up with his, like, arm and his sad raccoon eyes, war paint, um, and eventually... By the way, I think it's worth mentioning at this point that if you haven't seen the movie... This is going to make no sense because we're shit at this. We're, we're so just bad at this. <laughs> like, I honestly feel like we do this part for people's entertainment and how bad we are. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I, I really so do. Too. I hope so. If too. anybody's listening to this to get, you know, pointers on the plot, then I'm sorry. Yeah, no. exactly. Please, you know. Go read the movie spoiler.com, okay? Really sorry. I mean, like, you would never believe that, like, all four of us write plotty stories for funsies and are reasonably not <laughs> bad at it, given this conversation. But so, essentially, they, you know, Captain America wins the day. Um, and in the final moments, as he's disabled the last helicarrier, he has a confrontation with Winter Soldier where, the way I interpreted it, he was basically like, it's fine if you kill me, let's die together. Because <laughs> it's... There's nothing else for him. He has no idea what makes him happy, and he doesn't know what he's doing in the organization he was working with previously turns out to be dirty. And at the end of Captain America 2, the Triskelion, the secret headquarters of S.H.I.E.L.D., is burning in flames in the Potomac. BT Dubs, anything that's a giant building on the Potomac is not a secret headquarters. Guys, just, <laughs> I don't think it was a secret headquarters. If people knew about S.H.I.E.L.D., they, didn't, they just didn't know what S.H.I.E.L.D. did. I guess, but I was just... Okay, so maybe this comes from, like, me. I actually watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they always, whenever they show the Triskelion, the headquarters, they're always, like, Triskelion, location, classified. And I was, like, it's perched on the Potomac. You can see the Watergate Hotel from the elevator. Like, this is not a secret. Anyways. <laughs> they could, you know what? You're right. You're right, Prue. Of all of the things in this movie, yes. that's the unbelievable part. You know what? That's... That part bothered me. But um, <laughs> at the end of this film, S.H.I.E.L.D. is in shambles. As far as we know, it no longer exists. Nick Fury is presumed dead running around Europe. Um, Black Widow is... We don't really know what she's going to do, right? She disappears, basically. She disappears. But she disappears intentionally. She disappears intentionally. And Steve Rogers, Captain America, is taking... Along with Sam. Is taking his new best friend, Sam Wilson a.k.a. the Falcon, a.k.a. the greatest thing to happen to the Marvel franchise in a really long time. Yep. Um, I was about to say, I have a lot of feelings about him. Oh my god, he is only the greatest talk about him. ever. <laughs> are going on a road trip to go find, like, Steve's crazy murder boyfriend. Um, By the way, and you can cut this part out later, but has anybody found a really good fic of Steve and Sam doing that road trip? I 
don't know. I mean, like, the problem is that I think people who do that story have a tendency to err too much on um, either Steve slash Sam, which, like, I'm not into, mm-hmm. um, or they have a tendency to do it too much, like, Sam is the medium through which Steve and Bucky, like, hook up, which I don't think that that's bad. I just feel like I don't really want him to be a plot device, right? Like, I love Sam as a character. Yeah. Hold and on, it's, it, No one has hit that right balance for me yet. I was about to say, the thing that I want to re- read is, like, Sam introducing Steve to stupid Americana. Like, I'm sorry, but where is the Steve goes to Waffle House story? Oh, my God. Steve has to go to Waffle House. It's so important to me. He has That's to. For, for, like, America. He has to. I might have to write this. Ghostface, yeah. I'm kind of writing that already. Yes! Good! So, right. you know, there's a lot of trash talk in New Jersey already because it's me. So. I was to say, you fucking Jersey <laughs> But I did. Sort of like the armpit of America. Bro. It, no, it absolutely is. Like, armpit no, is the, the armpit of America. Who? Jersey is the asshole of America. Hey, what's yes. the armpit then? Cleveland. Oh. oh Not Philly? Yeah. It sort of is. Philly's disgusting. I don't know what it is. It is like the trash can outside of the body of America. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, can we, anyway. let's actually discuss this film. Honestly, <laughs> the first thing we have to talk about is the Winter Soldier. So, I think it's interesting to begin our conversation on this by saying that, like, for a movie that's titled Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the Winter Soldier does not show up until, like, pretty much, like, 30 minutes into the film. Yeah, and he's and he's in the film for, like, what, maybe a grand total of 15 minutes? And he has maybe, like, three lines of dialogue, and all of them were crushing. <laughs> that was going to say, they were really great lines, though. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, he's supposed to be the misdirect, right? I don't know if he's the misdirect. He kind of is, because you go in and when you're like, this movie... Is about Steve Rogers, like, defeating and also winning back his Winter Soldier buddy. Um, but really, it's about that other asshole, S.H.I.E.L.D., who's a super asshole, and all those Nazis. They're the real yeah. problem. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, like, I came into this movie not expecting what happened. Like, the, the plot of the movie was, A, pretty good. Yes. Yeah. And B, totally unexpected in terms of what I was you know, expecting out of a... I think they did a good job at that with, like, releasing a lot of shots of him playing the Winter Soldier, like, on set and stuff, because everyone's like, Winter Soldier, oh my god, you go into the movie and you think that's what it's about, and then you walk out and you're like, Big Brother is the worst for being surveilled. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, because I have to say that the Captain America movies have the tendency to really surprise me, and obviously this is only the second one, But um, because I walk in thinking, like, look, I'm here for, like, Chris Evans and his, frankly, absurd torso. Um, I don't anticipate much beyond that because I feel like the Marvel universe in which they operate is, like, a lot more USA Blue Sky and morally clear than my particular brand of espionage demands, right? Like, I very much love, like, stuff like the Bourne universe. Um, Mm -hmm. So this movie was awesome for me. Like, I loved it so much because it was all about the vastness of the moral gray area and how in the modern-day conception of the world security, terrorism, and danger, where does someone like Captain America exist, right? Like, there is no bright line anymore of, like, what's right. And in order to be on the side of right, like, what are you doing 
in order to, mm-hmm. right? And that entire plot was, like, delightful to me. Although no. I, I went to see this movie with Mare, Marilyn, and she felt, like, personally betrayed. She liked it, but not as much as me, obviously. And she felt betrayed by the fact that, that there was not enough Winter Soldier in it. Whereas, like, I loved it. Oh, I loved it so much. I was like, that's perfect. And next time you get more Winter Soldier. Yeah. I was about to say, the, the thing is, is, though, that, like, Bucky Barnes, I feel like you can get a lot of, but Winter, the Winter Soldier as as the character, and we can talk about the difference between the two characters mm-hmm. um, later, but I feel like a little goes a long way. That character yeah. is very tragic, but I don't really want to see an entire movie about the Winter Soldier. I feel uh-huh. like the more you know of him, the less the impact of him exists. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, the the flashes that we got of him were so shocking and surprising because we didn't have any um, background for it or we didn't have any kind of this is normal for him. Right. Um, we just we, we just watch him, you know, complicit in his own mind wipe uh, <laughs> system, which was really tragic. Um for me. But one of the things that I wanted to say is the, the thing that I also liked about the plot is they didn't really spend a lot of time. Um, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does a lot of telling and not showing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually a lot of the Marvel movies do. Captain America movies to- don't tend to. They do. They tend to do a lot more imagery. And so I feel like um, a lot of the Steve feels displaced. Steve doesn't know where his you know, places in the world of, you know, morally gray areas was much better shown in this movie than I was expecting. Like the only time they really talked about it explicitly was the scene with him and Peggy, which we should definitely also talk about so I can cry a lot. Oh, that That scene was was so sad. Mean. That was awful. Like it was great. And I was like so happy and then she, they gave her dementia. Oh, that was awful. And I was like, oh. Also, can I just ask, just, I mean, like, I understand why they did it for, like, you know, uh, dramatical purposes or whatever, but I feel like if Peggy was one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D., they would probably have taken care of her if she was going crazy. That's- well, I mean, I guess I... Uh, was the implication that she was like no, like that she was fucked, or that like she was just well, she that she had dementia, she had Alzheimer's. Yeah, but I don't know that that means she wasn't being taken care of. No, no, no. I meant taken care of as in quote marks. Oh Kittle. no, 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 no. Oh. I feel like I feel like they she's probably monitored, and if she yeah. was starting to say shit, they probably would have like sent someone to smother her in her sleep. But well, yeah, um, but I mean that that's the thing about dementia is that you can't ever tell when they're gonna say something. Yeah, yeah then you can just maybe maybe she was just in a secure facility. We'll it's we'll just possible. situate that. That is such a dark turn. <laughs> I love how like I love I'm how sorry, but if I'm just, out, I'm, I'm director Fury, and there's this great lady who was wonderful and who was my mentor. She probably gave me orders. Yep. To some at some point to be like you know get 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 a really nice pillow and do the do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, the greatest thing about this is that, like, Lepagus, like, went down this dark alley and I went right with her. I was like, that was legit. <laughs> yeah. This is why we're bros. <laughs> no, not that I'm thinking about it. You're absolutely right. Like, all the fics that I've read um, that feature Peggy in the modern day have her as still, like, you know, still on the job and Thompson and shit and, like, still going out there and running missions. Oh, my God. Why haven't they put a bullet through her? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, she's. Uh, I think the thing I mean, is cruelty. Right. Well, I feel like the thing is right. There's always this. Like, I feel like this is part of um, the whole what people think. Um, espionage is like versus what espionage really is like I feel like there were a lot of people who were desperately crushed when the Valerie Plame thing came to light because it was such a like so not at all what we expected like she seemed like a line yeah very boring very normal and I feel like to some extent like if you are an organization that has to rely on people to trust you to back them in extraordinarily dangerous situations, right? The way that you would have to if you were like an agent with an espionage organization, you cannot spend humans cheaply, right? And as ugly and awful as it is, you can spend infantry. You can't, but you shouldn't. But like infantry soldiers on the front line during World War II and World War I could be spent cheaply, but you cannot waste someone with that skill set and you cannot win their trust unless you take care of them. So I believe that she was probably in a secure shield facility, or at least all of her doctors and nurses had a certain level of clearance. So yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was, it it was nice though that Peggy was still alive Mm -hmm. and that they actually showed his interaction with her in terms of the fact that he's still, he, he still confides in her. He still kind of looks up to her. Yeah, in the way that he did, you know, when they were running missions together, and the fact that he's he's probably she's probably the only person he's talking to about his doubts and the fact that you know he he thought that he could serve again and it's just not the same, you know, and she's probably the only person who's like stopping such a drama queen. Like that moment was really good for me, where she was like, "You're so melodramatic, Steve. So cute." Um. But so, like, I I liked that she was there. I I wish that they hadn't given her dementia, but I understand the plot device. But again, I feel like Peggy deserved better than to be a plot device. I, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I don't know why she was there, other than she. I don't think she was a plot device, right? Like, no, not well, not a plot device. You're right, but like, but like, she was. She had. She had dementia in order to make Steve sad. Yeah, she did underline his loneliness. And it was a shame that that's the way that she showed up in it. But then someone, I was listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour, by the way, which was completely wrong about this movie on every level. They're usually pretty solid. I love you, Linda Holmes, but... But you guys are, like, fucking wrong as shit about this movie. (laughs) We're almost like culture podcast levels of wrong about Marvel movies about this movie. Those were serious fighting words. I'm sure Linda Holmes will never hear this, so it doesn't even matter. But the point is that, um... But they made a point that I was like, okay, that's fair. They were saying how um, if – I think that the the thing was that if they hadn't included Peggy in that capacity, they may have just had her living in the museum in the Smithsonian bit as mm-hmm. the film reel. And either way, like the reality of the situation is like Peggy herself is not a tragedy, right? Like her life was rich and fulsome. And I assume that whenever we get the Agent Carter television show, we'll get to see a lot more of what she did. But her life from the frame of reference of Steve, not even her life, but her relationship with Steve Rogers is always going to be punctuated by sadness because it was not ever... It was, I mean, like, I hesitate to even call them a relationship, right? Like, because they were the possibility of something, right? Like, they were the dream of something after the war. Which was- well, I think, I think they were, but I think they were also just incredibly good friends. Like, she was, she may not have been part of the Howling Commandos per se, but she was. Well, she was, like, she was, like, their manager, basically. Yeah, she was their handler. And that's, I mean, 
I've read enough Clint Colson relationships to know that a handler and a just say that's, that's a, some real good week googling there, Gus. Yeah, that's that's what handler. That's that's a real Gus. legit source. That's, I was about to say that's the source from Prue. So that's not the source for me. I just no, no, I, mean, I got that from you. I learned it from watching you, Dad. I learned it from watching you, Dad. But, so basically, like, I thought it was really sad. I I mean, like, if we wanted to delve into this whole, like, lit crit, angry, fridging, feminist theory point of view, like, yeah, they could have done without the dementia or whatever. But from, like, a cruel writer point of view, I thought it was, she's, like, one million years old. And the fact that her facilities would have started to go, go downhill in this fashion is not unrealistic. No, and, it's absolutely. And yeah, it's, 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 that's, why, that's why I'm not angry. Yeah, and as an additional punch to the vagina, like, that is so awful, right? Like, she's, as you said, she's, like, one of his best friends. And this is, and she's one of the very few people who can sort of even begin to comprehend how and see he feels and he's watching her fall away from him by degrees and like this entire movie is just like an awful setup for like i you know like i currently have a ptsd checklist open on my computer for something that i'm writing and i'm like steve you have all of these times that's that's like one of the things that we'll talk about when we talk about sam wilson but like when he was literally like either hitting on Steve or asking him to seek counseling at the beginning. I was like, sports night, uh, are you trying to give me therapy or date me situation? Exactly, exactly. But, like, literally, I was sitting there going, like, I feel like you should do both, Steve. (laughs) Like, (laughs) clearly eat therapy and, like, some serious nookie. Yeah, like, you need, like, a boyfriend to, like, pet you and make sure you stop cutting your own hair with kitchen scissors. And... (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, one of the reasons I'm not a fan of Steve Bucky, because, like, Steve will have to take care of Bucky. Somebody needs to take care of Steve. Oh, I can't help it. Those two are, like, sad, <laughs> weepy-eyed OTP for me. But, okay, let's no, here. talk about Sam Wilson, because can't, like, that kid is just, everything about Anthony Mackie is delightful, number one. Like, yeah. who is this hilarious motherfucker, and where have they been hiding him from me? I nearly wet myself laughing when he was on Fallon and he was doing the, um, he was doing the, like, the, the trailer for Captain America for the clip. Because I'm like, the minute this asshole's like, that ain't me, that ain't me, fast forward, I was like, my heart, it's yours. <laughs> out of my chest into your hands. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, I've been in love with him since, uh, Comic-Con when he, apparently, he did the, um, rope yes, line. The mic drops. Yeah, and every single... Every, and, and apparently he like took the mic away from some people. <laughs> like, Falcon's coming. <laughs> My favorite part is just... everybody was like, "Who's this guy?" Uh, he's delightful. That's who he is. Exactly. Well, and I feel like Sam Wilson is like Anthony Mackie is incredibly charming and hilarious and um, so and great. But like Sam is just so sweet. Yes, and, and like so I feel solid. like we haven't had yeah we haven't had like a caretaker type superhero ever yeah you know but like his day job is he's a counselor yeah. <laughs> so wonderful he's the only other person who appears to wear khakis of his <laughs> <laughs> right. 
like there was there was one point where like everybody was running around in jeans and I was like hallelujah this is beautiful heaven <laughs> feel we're all there it's I also great. I also just say just like as a random um thing I thought this movie um I really enjoyed because of its ties to the military and because of its NSA plots and because of the weird moral gray zone that we live in currently in terms of global security. I thought that they handled the whole vets thing really sensitively. And I thought it was really smart for them when they were doing his session, right? The PTSD session um, that he was leading, that the veteran group that they had was also very diverse. And I was just like, I love that the person who they had talking about their experiences was a woman. Mm-hmm. And I love that the people in that room looked like an actual cross-section of people who had served. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, the, the armed services was a lot more diverse than usual Hollywood typecasting. So yes. it was nice to see that reflected. Well, and yeah, and I, and I just love the fact that that was Sam's kind of priority. That was, that was what he did. And like, if he, I feel like if I met Captain America, Steve Rogers Jog, I would not talk to him about my work. Yeah. But like the fact that the the fact that like that Sam Wilson's first instinct was like, is your bed too soft? Is that one of the problems that you're having? And like, he, first of all, he immediately clocked the fact that Steve is a walking PTSD case. (laughs) Um, And then he, and then he like, most people would be kind of like starstruck or whatever. And he was just like, this is his fellow soldier. Yeah. And it was like, like, I'm sorry, but, like, my favorite line of this entire movie was, I do what he does, just slower. It's just like, <laughs> yes. My favorite line of this movie was delivered, like, so early in it, and it was on your, on like, your don't last date. Don't you say it. <laughs> don't you say it. And I loved how he tried, he tried to catch up, and it was just, no. My face went into, like, that picture of the husky, like, the really happy dog meme. <laughs> <laughs> like literally in the theater I could feel my face doing the thing I was like oh my god it's happening it's all happening <laughs> say, please uh, please know slash report uh, listeners that I, I know Prue's face very well and her face can do that it and really it's a delightful can. thing to behold oh my god it was so good for me oh my god every I mean like literally every interaction and the thing that I love too is that Sam's interaction with Natasha Oh, we haven't even talked God. about Natasha yet. She's right? so smart in this movie, and she's just like, there's no need to fight your way out of this situation. We're just going to be sneaky as fuck. I'm just I like, know the whole scene. In the mall? <laughs> no, basically, I just love the stuff, uh, all the stuff that she did in the mall. All of the stuff that she did, period, was just so, you're right, so clever. You know, and I think since you know, like, in the, in the first movie that we saw her in Iron Man 2, she had to be relied on to be sexy yeah in this movie she doesn't have to be that sexy was, and that was that was for the job like that was the way to get to yeah and she didn't but in, and she chose to be in certain situations but a lot of it was just she was just being a spy and it was just so great to watch well i also I know I, love I think one of the things i particularly love both about the way that black widow in the mcu is written and portrayed by scarlett johansson is like i've given this rant many a time i don't think that i've done it over the podcast but i will say it again i hate strong female characters because mm-hmm. strong female characters are basically poorly written characters and i like i fucking like fanfic writers listen the goddamn fuck up like <laughs> Making a female character infallible, perfectly strong, takes no bullshit, all of that stuff, 
doesn't make her seem awesome. It makes me think that you've never met a human woman, which is weird because you're probably one if you're writing fan fiction. So I like I love the way Scarlett Johansson does this character because like that line she does when Steve is like looming up against her, her first response in any situation is always to like look frail and see if the guy falls for it, which Steve doesn't because she's probably almost killed him with her thighs before. Um, And then her next line is to go like, I don't know everything, Steve. I just pretend to know everything. (laughs) I love that line too. Perfect. Like so perfect. Um, She, and she always is the, she's like the way that I feel like Neil Caffrey does grifting, right? Like Mm -hmm. she does small changes and makes little things and, just the way that she understands the way people pay attention to each other is so interesting and smart. And you can just see the way that like, there is no better way to highlight the differences between their ways of getting shit done than like their little journey through the mall, right? Where she puts oh. in a hoodie and some Warby Parker glasses right? and goes to the Apple store versus Steve goddamn Rogers, like not being able to bank left, running through a fucking office building, like straight up tearing through walls and blowing through doors. Like, oh, that part was so good for me. It was so great. I was like, are you serious? You were going so fast you can't turn anymore? Like, I couldn't open doors. He just went through them. Just blew right through them. Listen, right? guys, he's basically Zoolander, okay? It's not his fault. <laughs> right. And, like, the best part about that, and I didn't notice it or think about it until someone else put together a gif set of this on Tumblr, is that, like, this is a thing that he's been dealing with since he was just turned to Big Steve. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can't bang with the damn. Right? Like, when he was chasing Thor and Oakenshield through, like, 1940s Brooklyn, he went into a bridal shop. <laughs> now, like, it's been a while, Steve. You still haven't figured out how to modulate your body. So that you can, like, stop running well, into know. stuff. <laughs> Turning is hard. Yeah. But the point, is, the point is that, like, I loved I loved everything about her portrayal in this movie. And I loved how smart she was and how interesting she was. And I was so grateful. I don't know if anybody else felt this way. Because all the previews and the spoiler picks that they released really made me worry that they were going to, A, make her, like, um, a damsel in distress. Because, like, you saw a bunch of the pictures of him having to carry oh, yeah. her out of yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, um, a romance, right? Yeah. They went well, in I the direction. Yeah. Thank God. That's oh one of those God. things can I we, think I where... Say, can we, sorry? That's one of those things I think where the people who make the movie poster are like, here are the 12 types of movie poster. It's always this. So that's how we're going to do it. It has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Agreed. But I was about to say, can we, can we talk about just for two seconds, because I really loved it, the fact that uh, Natasha called Steve on the fact that he's totally still a virgin. <laughs> I feel like the moment where he's like, have you kissed anybody since 1945? It was like, I died. Because it was so, you could, you could, you saw us on Steve's face that he was going to lie about it because he hasn't kissed anybody since 1945 and he's embarrassed. He's saving himself for his man, guys. Yeah. Like, he wants to go to Bucky's bed pure as the driven snow. I want to know how soon after he woke up in like 2000, whatever, somebody told him, it's okay to be gay now. Or bi. Uh, well, if I was like a hot male nerd and I was looking at his triangular torso, that literally would have been the first thing I said to him, right? Like, yeah. or telling him anything about anything else, right? Like, hi, Steve, welcome to the 20. 20- no, I'd be like, you can totally fuck dudes now. It's okay. Yeah. And it's all right. <laughs> Dude, and I'm Yes, I'm available. 
Yeah, agreed. Yeah. You might just want to do it anyway, right? Like, everyone's gay in college. You should have this experience, Captain America. I volunteer as tribute. Who's going to say, good good job, Katniss? <laughs> I'm kidding. I want to fuck that dude so bad. <laughs> yeah. no. Prue, nobody thought you were kidding. Look at him. He's beautiful. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, anyway, so no, it was it was really good to see uh, uh, Natasha act that way, and then also the the conversation that she has with Steve um, in Sam's house, and we can talk about the fact that Sam makes them breakfast because and has a hair straightener in his bathroom. Everybody, he's not a savage. Sisters, pardon? And I was like, that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, uh, whatever. That was literally like I heard my entire like half my theater in that scene, like, where she had, like, weird, like, she had normal lady hair, and then went straight to straight hair again, like, half my theater, everyone with a vagina was like, what? (laughs) In the theater, it was audible. But, okay, maybe she got a Brazilian blowout a few days ago. No, is that, how would it, never mind. The point is, I am now going to, sorry, I was about to say, I'm going to unleash the beast, by which I mean, Screamlet, this is what you were brought on for. Oh, good Start talking about the Winter Soldier now. Where do I even begin with him? Where does anyone begin with him? I begin at the beginning, and then when you go through until the end, and then stop. Okay, can we talk about the flashback then to yes, the middle of middle near end of the movie when it's right after Steve's mom's funeral, and it's you know Sebastian Stan with his big gay weepy eyes. <laughs> Comforting Steve after his mom's funeral, talking about, like, sleeping on his floor again now that Steve is completely alone in the world, and then I collapsed and died <laughs> and turned into a pile of dust. It was terrible. Okay. God damn you, Sebastian Stan. <laughs> so that's, as er- that's the earliest point in the movie when she's like, by the way, remember Bucky? He was really there. And then, you know, back to choking Chris Evans. As we all want to do. I don't want to choke Chris Evans. He's too beautiful to choke. With your thighs you do. That would be okay, but that wouldn't really choke part of my body on his body. Yeah, not if it's going to result in necrophilia, you fucking dumbass. No, no, you stop. Oh my god, I think we we talk about autoerotica right now? Because I I think we we all learned some things about Screamlight. Look, we're just talking about things we want to do to Chris Evans, but I... That is not, you know, the topic at hand. Um, sure. Yeah, he happened. <laughs> uh-huh. That's not helpful, Screenlet. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to say, for someone who didn't show up in this movie until, I mean, a third of the way through it, had very few lines, Sebastian Stan absolutely gutted me. That character was so sad and so upsetting. And the scene of him in the underground bank vault and just his line of, like, that man on the bridge knew me, I just, I just, I wanted to, like, I just needed, like, a moment. I wanted them to, like, pause the movie for a little bit. (laughs) Well, that's the interesting thing about the Winter Soldier, like, this time around, sort of connecting to something earlier, like... It's called The Winter Soldier, but it's really about the figure, the Winter Soldier, and the effect that he's had, like, on this whole Marvel universe and on, apparently, American history, and not so much, you know, any actual human person in it, 
But you know, does that justify calling it the Winter Soldier? Or <laughs> actually, so, yeah. it's like you know, hey, Captain America and the empty husk of a man that yeah. was his best friend. Basically. Well, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys, do you guys ever listen to the Empire podcast? No. No. I actually really recommend it to everyone, especially if um, you guys are kind of like pop culture movie geeks. They get really amazing um, interviews and they talk really intelligently about it. You guys have probably, if you're on Tumblr, you may have seen a reference to them a little bit because they're the ones who discuss about how, like, the most romantic through line or, like, is the meet cute between Sam Wilson and Captain America in this. True. Um, but they talked to the Russos who directed the film as well as, I think, the writer of the Captain America movie. Or maybe it was just the Russos. But they were asking about the, the title of the film in the context of, like, well, this movie is really more about, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and sort of, like, spying versus the Winter Soldier. And this, they said that the way that they viewed it, right, is that Bucky and the Winter Soldier is the emotional um, is the emotional driver of the entire film, right? Uh-huh. Like he is the broken heart of the entire movie that is pushing Steve forward to do all of this stuff. And I just like was like, how does everything about this movie just make it worse? <laughs> Good job. Uh, no kidding. I would also say that you can look at it as kind of like. When we hear about the kind of shit that goes on right now, we always put it on a human face, right? Yeah. But it's not that one person who matters. It's the organization behind it and, like, the structure. Right. So, like, even when you go into this movie, you're like, shit, Winter Soldier. And no, it's it's the larger organizational issues and structure that's behind it. It's not, like, Bucky is really just almost a helpless dupe in this situation. Yeah, like, I feel like there's been a recent, um, at least in the stories that I've been reading, um, there's been a characterization term, which is basically that Winter Soldier is not really a person or an entity. He's a weapon that's strategic. Yeah. The asset. Yeah. Yeah. They call him the asset a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just, right. So it is about the Winter Soldier, like, facade falling away, and then, you know, Captain America 3, the hunt for Bucky Barnes, or... Yeah. Something. I'm still kind of hoping that Captain America 3 is about President Cap, who is like, now that I'm president, find me my boyfriend, and also I'm fixing everything. (laughs) And I won't nuke Russia. (laughs) I'm holding you all hostage, America, so you find my boyfriend. (laughs) Do we really want to put ourselves in a situation where, like, Vladimir Putin's dick measuring contest involves Captain America? He's gonna lose. Yeah. Yes, we do. We absolutely want to. He's going to want to settle that through um, artistic bear wrestling or something. Whatever. Just lay him out on the table and get a measuring stick. Uh, Obviously, Steve would win. Obviously. I mean, sorry, super soldier serum. I'm sure something got enhanced there. There's some super gay. like to see, like, Putin being like, well, actually, I was gay first, and I want my country to find my weapon boyfriend first ha steve rogers <laughs> someone make a russian trilogy i was about to say i feel like nobody's gonna be able to be gay before steve considering he was born in 1919 <laughs> you don't know that dude can rewrite history <laughs> suddenly this us novel by tolstoy comes up and it's about like vladimir one day in the future yes about vladimir putin and his what? love of the winter soldier good yes 
of his own Winter Soldier, which they'll This conversation has kind of gotten off track. I know. This has, like, gone to a very dark... Welcome to Slash Report. (laughs) (laughs) So, are we going to talk about Fury? We are going to talk about Fury. Who wants to start talking about Fury? I super thought he was actually dead for about five minutes, and then I was like... Really? I feel like Samuel L. Jackson would have probably burnt something to the ground. (laughs) And he hasn't yet? I knew that he couldn't be dead. Because I remembered when those people were tweeting at, like, racist shit at him on Twitter. And they were like, you can't be Nick Fury, you're black. And he was like, fuck you, I'm in, like, every Marvel movie for the rest of forever. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Enjoy okay. paying 20 bucks a pop. I know, that's when the stills, like, released from the movie, I was totally gullible and fell for them. And, like, a friend and I were actually going, okay, so does that body, compared to Natasha, look really tall like it's Fury? Or... Is it kind of short, like it's Sitwell, and they had a weirdly close relationship? Who is under that sheet? And then it turned out it doesn't matter. No one ever dies. That's Sitwell. In Marvel. No, Sitwell, okay, this is a quick aside, but, like, I was legitimately upset by that in the film. When I kind of was, too. When gross, yeah. like, melting Vogan, like, fucking Gary Shandling, like, pressed his gross melting gross. All over Jasper Sitwell. I was just like, what are you doing? And then he whispered Hill Hydra, and I felt like someone had stabbed me through the heart with a hot poker. Uh, and then, like, and then I literally leaned over to Mare in this movie theater, right? Like, literally leaned over to her, and I was like, he's a triple agent, right? Or, like, he's a double agent? And she I'm just gives me this look, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, apparently the actor or somebody has, has tweeted something like, don't take appearances at face value this oh. actor has the actor has basically like he started a hashtag called trust it well <laughs> and then he was like nick vogue uh nick vogan what nick fury has backup plans for his backup plans and so basically here's where i am emotionally with that issue if jasper Sitwell is actually fucking hydra i will go to burbank and i will set Kevin Feige's car on fire because I love Jasper so well. He's not allowed to be Hydra. That is really uncool. Um, and it I just want to say, I feel like he's too good at being kind of perpetually put upon. Like Coulson, Coulson's fine. Like my indifference towards Coulson has been well documented. But Sitwell always fe- felt like the ultimate, like fuck my life, exact guy. Also, like I was also. always in Sitwell's corner because I was like, bro, yeah, I feel you. Life is fucking <laughs> terrible. And also, right, like as established from this is this is just am- like I'm so crazy. Um, <laughs> but as established earlier in one of the random Marvel shorts, he's like, I could, I do a great Patsy. I give great Patsy. And I was like, yeah, you give great Patsy. Please don't actually be Hydra. <laughs> okay, but also, if we can pull this in, has everyone caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, I never watch it, so okay, I so don't know. But the episode that aired, like, two days after Captain America Winter Soldier came out happens at the same time as the movie. Yes. Um, and Holy at the... fucking shitballs, by the way, of that episode. Total departure from the film, except the, to say that, like, that episode should not have worked as well as it did. It was way smarter than the show has ever been. <laughs> and I'm still fucking confused about what happened, who is bad, and I was in emotional ruins at the end of it. I wasn't in emotional <laughs> ruins. I finished the episode, and I was like, okay, Ward is now, like, a triple agent. 
And he's. I don't know that though. Is the problem like I don't know if Ward is actually a triple agent? Like, I think he's still he with Shield. Have Victoria Hand. Yeah, but that can be faked. No, you can't. Like I, this is uh, that episode fucked me up, bro. It fucked me up so bad. Like literally spent ninety percent of that episode being like, it has to be Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is evil. Oh wait, it's Victoria Hand. But maybe it's Bill Paxton. Maybe it's what? No, Ward. What are you doing? Of course Bill Paxton was evil. He was the nicest person on there. He was, you know, suspiciously nice. Capital letters. Trademark. Like, yeah. Oh, he just skeeved me the fuck out. By Bill Paxton. Paxton. Yeah. (laughs) He was totally, like, it was, it was just, it was one of those moments where I was, like, watching that show, and I was like, there is no universe in which this should work as well as it does, considering how dumb this show is on a normal basis. (laughs) But it did tie in remarkably well. <laughs> but cycling back to Winter Soldier, cycling, and now that we're actually fully in the depths of talking about the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, what the fuck do we think is happening in the next movies? I don't know, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because the frame, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. hasn't been a huge part, but they've always been part of the framework. Well, I was about to say, they've been kind of the the uh, instigating force. They've been yeah. kind of the bulwark of it, and they've been a lot of the framework of it. Like, the Iron Man movies are pretty independent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there were... I guess a lot of the movies are, but, like, the, the Avengers movies is very S.H.I.E.L.D.-focused. Okay. And then and it feels like a lot of the movies going forward are trying to become more S.H.I.E.L.D.-focused, but now, I don't know. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very puzzling and confusing. And, well, and also, you know, you've got the... Um, the 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 last scene after the well the second to last scene after the credits rolled yeah with uh, I think it was it's Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver yes wait yeah. what I only saw one post credit scene yeah that was the first post credit scene what's the post credit scene that you saw sweetie my mind is blanking now there there were two post, one of the the very last post credit scene was the one with the where Bucky visited the Smithsonian? No. They, like, kicked us out of our theater. (gasps) You missed it, Betsy. I'm so sorry, sweetie. Fucking Cineplex. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Bucky is still rocking the hair that is so awful. I just want to wash him. Yeah, I really want to give him, like, a really good scrub down. Sebastian Stan never is, is physically incapable of cleaning up. No, I know. I know. He always looks greasy. No, I know. But he does have um, to look like a like a dog that just jumped in the swamp. Yeah, <laughs> and he was also wearing a hat, which like made it worse. And so then he's in the Smithsonian and staring at the giant picture of like himself as like Steve Rogers' true love or whatever. And then that was real sad. And then it went dark, and I sat in my theater and was like, "That was me. That was really me. <laughs> that is mean." But the first post credit sequence was. Um, I, the collector, right? The, the two, collect- well, two mysterious German dudes. Okay, so it's Baron von Strucker at a hydro lab. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So it's Baron von Strucker and yeah, whoever that is, he is a person. Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver. I don't even know if we saw that. My fucking theater. How did this? Did they like physically throw you guys out? They like turned on the lights. Okay, they dimmed the screen. 
And then they started, like, going up and down the aisles and picking up garbage. So people were like, well, I guess we have to leave. And everyone was just shuffling out. Like, nobody was staying. Okay, this is where your politeness in Canada is working against you. Yeah. <laughs> Filthy American nerds would have just sat there. Well, Absolutely. and it was really it was really great because I've seen it now twice. Um, and both times um, we stayed for both credits. And, like, the, the, there's that... Gus? Did anybody else? When just... you watch all of those people leave Gus, early, Gus, like, but Gus, you're still Gus. stuck. You what? totally cut out like a minute ago. Oh, okay. Uh, basically, it was really fun for me in a pathetic way, but I understand that, uh, that I got to sit in the theater and wait for the two post-credit uh, scenes while like, every, like literally everybody left. And there was maybe half a dozen people left. And I was confused because it's like, Marvel's pretty well known for doing this. And I saw it opening night. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's unforgivable. Like, anyone who's kind of... It was, well, it's just odd. Yeah, it's like, anyone who doesn't... New? Yeah, anyone who doesn't <laughs> know, like, enough about the series to, like, stay through at least the first end credit sequence should not, like, have acquired tickets for opening night. Like, they were <laughs> more worthy. There were, like, more deserving nerds who needed that more than you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, so yeah. I mean, it was it was it's so it's interesting in terms of where they're going to go from here. One of the things that I kind of um, am surprised by is that there are very few franchises or TV series that I trust in terms of like I don't know how you're going to deal with this, but I'm sure it's going to be great. That's true. Um, yeah. you know, like Brooklyn Nine Nine, I trust. Yeah, uh, Hannibal, I trust um, with caveats, but I do. Um, and then I'm starting to actually kind of trust the Marvel verse franchise. Yeah. So it's like, I'm kind of like, I have no idea how you're going to write yourself out of this fucking corner, but I'm, I'm, I have, I have faith in you, baby. I'm sure it's going to be great. I have to say that like, as a Marvel writer, like, I don't, this is so old school fandom. Um, do you guys remember when there used to be like round Robin challenges? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was, like, I never participated because I have, like, deeply asshole-ish tendencies, and if I had, um, but the news at 11, I always, like, I always knew that had I participated, I would have been that one who, like, ramped it up so that everyone was, like, fucking painted into a corner, and, like, everyone was about to die, and then been, like, tag, you're it, and I feel like being a Marvel film writer must feel sort of like that, like, hey, 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 bye! <laughs> <laughs> No, they uh, don't, and they don't hang on to their directors either. Yeah, the only I always think this weird. I mean, the only ones that they do hang on to so far, right, are Joss Whedon, um, and Who, what's he directing? He did Avengers, and he's doing Avengers two. Oh, he's doing the Ultron one too. Okay, I knew he did the first one, but I didn't know he was doing. Well, I read an interview with um, the Russos, and they said that it was Feige's idea to bring down S.H.I.E.L.D. So he's really, like, the puppet master in all this. <laughs> he sort of brings people along into this dark lair that he has somewhere and says, here's what we want to do. And then the person, you know, walks out with a giant contract and all this responsibility, or they're murdered instantly. So, I was going to say, so Kevin Feige is kind of the fury of the Marvelverse franchise. Yes. And he's immortal. I need him to start showing up at Comic-Con with, like, an eye patch. <laughs> Can I 
also, this is like, now that we're talking about Kevin Feige, this is like a total aside, but I have been very vocal about my anger about the fact that there's going to be an Ant-Man movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like really angry about it. But I feel like now the more I learn about the Marvel Universe and sort of the history of these movies, like the less I can legitimately be angry. Because apparently, before Iron Man actually be Oh yeah, Iron Man's been in production. Yeah. Right, like... Ant-Man has been, it was like one of the first three Marvel movies ever announced, right? It was going to be, this lineup sounds like fucking terrible, right? It's like Iron Man and the the villain was going to be the original ultra-racist Mandarin, right? Mm -hmm. And it was the Hulk movie, and it was going to be Edgar Wright on Ant-Man. And I was just like, I... I can't be mad that you guys are not making the ones I want you to if you've been planning this since the beginning, but I can't be concerned about your decision-making process if those were the three you were going to come out the gate with, Marvel. And that's... Yeah, no kidding. Like, like that interview was also... All our money was uh, the Hulk and Ant-Man, and Iron Man is kind of like, let's round out the trilogy with Iron Man, and then Robert Downey Jr. happened. Yeah, I mean, I think something that... I think the thing that people kind of forget at this point, right, given Downey's, like, total resurgence, is that when the original Iron Man came out, like, he was still kind of, like, laying low in a lot of ways um, post, you know, that little prison stint and junk for drugs. And, like, that movie was really his, like, coming out again party, right? Like, his second debut. And he, thankfully, has turned out to be a totally lovely, wonderful person. And this time around... The, this time around, he seems to be doing great and, um, you know, just collecting cats instead of cocaine, which is I'm really happy for him because I remember being like a huge fan of his and then like having him like randomly fall out of projects because he was arrested. Do you know what I mean? Like, or just too drug strung out to actually. My mom is still really mad that they cut his stint on Ally McBeal. Oh my god, right? I was because he got arrested. <laughs> And I, like, I remember being, like, oh, 11 really years old. Him is that they can't really film him in prison. No, but I'm still mad. I'm still mad, guys. Still like, mad. Mom, I'm sorry. It was a lot of cocaine. I'm just mad about it. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel your mom screaming. I was also like, what? <laughs> like, I had, to re- I, had to, I had to watch that shit on, like, Entertainment Tonight or something. Like, Robert Downey Jr. will not be finishing his stint. Is Alec McBeal's latest Captain America the first one or Thor in theaters because they thought they looked bad. Really? They did they I had to see them on TV. I was like, you're some sitting of, down, you're some watching of the trailers this. Trailers did look bad. I know, yeah. but like the thing is, so I'm really I feel very mixed about Ant Man just because before Thor came out, it was like Thor, that asshole with the weird shit on his head and the like <laughs> holier than thou language. No, Thor is fucking amazing. And then Captain America was like, mm, I have mixed feelings about America, like, as a thing. And it turns out I love it. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I saw Thor because it was a Kenneth Branagh vehicle for Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> and then I left it going, oh my god, A, everything he touches turns to gold, and B, I guess Thor's okay. He's pretty awesome. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, like, I love Thor the character, so... <laughs> 
Thor is my favorite. Thor, the movie, is like my one of my favorite movies of all time because I'm sad and it makes me happy. It, it is. It Much makes me so happy. Yeah. Good. Anyway, I think that the only other thing I want to sort of comment on is that I personally am really grateful that this movie came out because I've always been sort of like, nah, about like Avengers fandom because that fandom is just like, it's great when it's like crack key fun stuff, but like none, none of the fic was really like, it never really hit my sweet spot for obsession. But thankfully now mm. that um, Captain America 2, the Winter Soldier, came out, I can spend all of my free time reading Steve Bucky fake and just like weeping into my <laughs> shriveled, gnarled hands, which is what I've been doing nonstop for like seven days, as evidenced by my pinboard account. Um, so yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for that. Thanks for making that happen for me. Go <laughs> Yeah, I, like I said, Jesus. I know, and Jesus doesn't want me. He does not want to take this wheel. Not like that. Yeah. Oh my God! Did you I see that say, gift actually, set? One, one thing I really wanted to say really quick was that I really loved. Um, we didn't really actually talk about Fury a lot, but I don't think there's a lot to say. Yeah, Hello? I mean, like he's Fury. He's infallible, and like he will always come out on top because that guy's crazier than a fox. Yeah. Well, but I did like, I loved the car chase scene. Yes. The fact that for the first time I saw him, A, scared, and yeah. B, like, infuriated, like, yeah. angry at the car. <laughs> but, like, but, like, all, like, kind of human emotion where, like, Fury wasn't, because Fury's usually not one step ahead. He's usually about seven or eight steps ahead of everybody. Yeah, definitely. But, like, he was, he was, he was off you know, he was taken aback by the fact that people were trying to super murder him. Well, I think that that scene was extra effective, too, because, like, because of all the built-up stuff we know about Fury, the fact that he was on mm-hmm. his game made it, like, made the threat level insane. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, it was also amazing because it instantly sort of um, telegraphed how dangerous the Winter Soldier is, right? Like, if yeah. he is able to get to Fury in this manner... Then how fucking hazardous is this dude? Yeah. Well, or almost get superior. Because he still didn't, you know, which I thought was a great through line. I, I love the fact that at first you thought that he actually had won, and so that makes Winter Soldier really terrifying. But then the fact that Fury fooled everybody except apparently for Hill. Um, was in on it. And was actually alive made him actually a lot scarier. Yeah, I mean, I love I love when they outdark each other because I think I I genuinely believe in that whole thing where like you know to make an omelet you got to break some eggs like somebody has to do it and like yeah. as a lot of people can keep their hands clean not everyone can keep their hands clean and I well, like I like the darkness of Fury yeah and I was about to say and I love the fact and we actually haven't even t- talked about uh, Robert Redford uh, who's still oh my god it out in this movie. <laughs> We have to talk about Robert Redford. Okay. Can I? And, and I was about to say, can we, and, and I also want to talk about Sharon. Uh, oh, I have no thoughts on Sharon. Agent 13. Well, I just liked that she was a nurse. That was my thing that I liked. Oh, Sorry. Cover. Was she actually a nurse? No, she, that was her cover, but I still liked it. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> I have no thoughts on Sharon. Um, but Robert Redford was a fantastic, fantastic, charismatic role for this. And, like, I actually had a moment where he was, like, doing his crazy like evil monologue toward the world security council where I was like, you know, like, here's the problem. 
like, until I have Steve to stand next to me with his torso and be like, no, like, all of what he's saying sounds pretty good. Like, I was about, well, that's the thing about Robert Redford is he's so good at convincing you. Yeah. Oh, like, I was literally being like, well, the man's got a point. Right. No, he doesn't. No, you guys are the worst. I was sitting there and I was like, I have met this skeevy type before and I'm not buying any of it. I don't like you. I don't like your face. Get the F out. He's the Sundance kid. You believe him. I don't believe him. I totally do. He's on your side. Emily, you know what? Like, it's not being Canadian for a moment. (laughs) She can't help herself. Um, But it's not even an issue of, like, it's Robert Redford, I believe him, because he's a Sundance kid. It's more like his argument, as tremendously terrible as it is, is interesting. And it is a discussion that, like, we are fortunate enough that we don't ever have to have as anything other than an awful hypothetical, but that someone is having right now. Yeah, and it, well, and it's and it's the it's the thing of when when you are a person who is in great who has just tremendous, essentially unlimited power. Yes, you know how much self control does it take never to use that power for personal use? Right, and even beyond that, like even if this is not for personal use, right? Like, how long do you sit there and you fumble through all of these really awkward things without? How can you not be tempted to say like? This is the more expedient. This is ultimately going to be more humane in the long run, but it's going to be an erosion of liberty. It's like this is the long-term discussion that is happening right now. And I thought that this movie was such an interesting show don't tell of the fundamental problem there. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, agreed. Also, love that he had Newman's own in his fridge. That was excellent for me. Did he really? <gasps> I didn't notice that. Go see it again, and if you guys did not catch it, when he opens the fridge, I actually did like <gasps> this little noise, like when he. I'm opens. gonna cry. Yeah, he had Newman's own in his fridge. It was excellent. Good. <sighs> okay, that was that was beautiful. All I right. Think, okay, but I think this this is a good point for us to stop before we yeah. get going all night, and um, let us do our recs. I know, Lefkis, you said that you didn't have it, right? I don't, because this isn't actually this isn't one of my primary fandoms, so I don't really read anything in this um i am very excited to hear what yours is cool i'm gonna make scream let go first okay yeah i went digging through my bookmarks for all of this amazing like post avengers fic that happened um because i remember how good like the road trip fic is and i'm just excited for all this to happen again so uh, the first wreck I had was Marry Our Fortunes Together by Miss Lucy Jane from The Avengers. It's an ensemble fic with some Steve Tony. And it, it really is like the best road trip fic that I've read because it's, you know, all of the Avengers trapped in a car together and just experience in America, like <laughs> little bit by little bit. And it was just, I think I cried like a little bitch at the end and it was great. Good. It was wonderful. Uh, Another one is Tell Me I'm Your National Anthem by Lanyon, and that's an <laughs> AU where Steve falls from the train and becomes the Winter Soldier, and it's Bucky Tony. It's really great, and it's and Lanyon is a dear friend of mine and writes with such, like, clarity and um, economy of language that I just fucking die with anything she writes. And she's writing one where Peggy is the Winter Soldier, so just prepare to have your skull completely blown off your body by then. <laughs> Uh, and last of the, like, post-Avengers ones is Show Us the Maps by North Atlantic, and that's actually, it's more accurately a Captain America fic that's basically Bucky's POV, 
during um, Captain America, First Avenger, like the World War II parts, and it's just completely heartbreaking um, start to finish. So, you know, enjoy that pain. And uh, with the pilot wrote <laughs> the really best Natasha Clint, let's meet up after all of this happened, Fic, and it's really short, it's really hot, it's a lot of banter, it's just amazing. So it's called Take Aim and Show Me What You Know, and it's with the pilot. Excellent. Uh, MK? So I have two, and we already pasted these into email, but you guys don't know this, the listeners. So Prue made fun of me because none of these are about Winter Soldier, but yep. to be fair, I haven't read any fic for Winter Soldier yet. So um, some oldies with some goodies. One is called Love Among the Hydrothermal Vents by Devil Doll, which is a hilarious kind of comics verse story in which uh, they all get invited under to uh, Namor's kingdom under the sea, and he is... Uh, Asking Nick Fury for Steve's hand in marriage so that, you know, maybe we can just give him Hawaii as, like, a little dowry there. We're not giving you Hawaii. No. <laughs> We're not giving you Hawaii. But it's, it's real great. It's real funny. I, like, cried laughing reading this. It was hilarious. Um, and then on a more serious note, The Average Avengers Local Chapter 7 of New York City by Hetrez, which I look at as, like, like, the ideals of Captain America embodied in a single story that, even though it says it's Steve Tony, I would say it's more Jen, but it's just, like, a beautiful look at feelings. <laughs> and this is written by my personal friend, Hatrez, who I adore, and if you know her in person, this story is kind of, like, the perfect reflection of her as a human being. Aww. And just a reminder, this story is the one with Thor at Costco buying Pop-Tarts. That is like, I always forget the title, except I think of it as Thor and the Pop-Tarts at Costco. <laughs> and then I collapse, die, <laughs> crap, because it's amazing. You fall down a lot. I do. It's terrible. I have no control of my body at any point in time. Go ahead. Okay, well, my recommendations are actually Captain America-based. <laughs> Shocker. Um, <laughs> my first one is called We Spread Our Bones Across the Table at Night by This Girl Is, a.k.a. Non-Sequential. It is, um, I feel like this is, it could be read as either Captain America 1 or Captain America 2. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's a gen story, sort of. Um, and it's about Bucky as he is preparing to go to war in the original Captain America timeline. And it is an absolutely rending look at what must have been going through his head and him attempting to do everything that he could to lay in the groundwork to take care of Steve as he knows that he will probably die um, overseas and it's Jesus. it's really it's very short but it's absolutely it's so heartrending so good you guys should check it out um, for a very short character study it's very effective the second one is on the total opposite end, total hilarious crack. I think one question that literally everyone in the world had was like, where the fuck is Clint Barton after all of this? Like, did, yeah. did he oversleep? Is he going to show up in three weeks being like, I'm sorry, like my phone died and then the dog <laughs> ate a thing and I got confused. Natasha, I'm so sorry. Whatever. We don't know. Um, but the story is called Next New Message by Fabate. Fabrega or Fabrasia. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, it is obviously an immediate post film for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And it is about Clint Barton emerging from like deep cover or something and checking his dumb phone <laughs> <laughs> to find 
one million messages and text messages from Natasha. And you can imagine how well that goes. There's a great, uh, there's a great moment of like narrative, narrative parallelism in the story that like just had me on the floor laughing. Um, it's so funny. It's really good. And then the last one, which I'm volunteering and wrecking is an antidote for you guys all listening to this who like have Steve Bucky feels will obviously go read a lot of sad Steve Bucky fic. This is a story for like when you want them not to have a guaranteed tragic ending. Um, this is uh, a story called May You Live in Interesting Times by Disappoint Me. It is a <laughs> um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's an alternate universe. And it is the story um, that is a white collar AU where Bucky is actually the FBI agent and, and Steve is our art thief slash forger on the run. It is lovely. They're in love. No one is going to die or lose an arm to the Russians. And it's great. And I'm really happy that this story exists um, and everyone should read it. So yeah, that does it for me. Does that do it for all of us? Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys for coming to hang out with us. And thank you for risking more falling down syndrome, Screamlet, to talk about this movie. <laughs> My bones are all broken. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to conclude it. And on that note, if you guys miss us during the regular week, you can find us on Twitter at Slash Report, our Tumblr on Slash Report, even though we don't post anything on our Tumblr. And until next weekend, we will see you on the flip side, guys. Bye. 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 another chat window talking about the tiny Steve Rogers and butt plugs. So it's really just one of those days. I still want to hang up right now, but I don't have the strength. Stop talking. Not make me beat you up and get you like a digital cock ring for your thoughts on Winter Soldier. Absolutely. Everyone at the age of 10 should just be brought into a room and shown um, train spotting and Requiem for a Dream. I promise <laughs> you, nobody will fucking ever do drugs.